When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to its uh, weekend edition here at Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Connor Clark uh, producing. We're here at the Single Barrel. Some bloodies, some red beer, and yes, the breakfast buffet line is full. Ohio State fans invading. And uh, we'll have a lot of Nebraska fans popping by as well. You're welcome to join us here at the Single Barrel, 7 to 9 this morning, getting you ready for Ohio State and Nebraska. And uh, coming up on the show, our Rewind with Tim May, uh, Ohio State insider. Tim May will join us. Some thoughts from Barry Alvarez in Hour 2 on Nebraska's situation as a big moment for Big Red with number 5 coming into town. You're on your way to the stadium. You can stream us, ESPNLincoln.com. As uh, we are also uh, streaming live, allegedly here on Facebook, the ESPN Lincoln channel. So uh, that is something to look at and find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Hale Varsity and at uh, Connor Clark at C underscore Clark underscore 27. We welcome in Mr. Mark Cranach. Cranach, you got me all right, brother. How are you? I do. You got me? I do. We will work on getting your beautiful face with your Atlanta Braves World Championship baseball hat on uh, on the program here uh, shortly. Uh, you're still celebrating your, your Braves championship. Are you going to be celebrating about 3 o'clock today your Husker football team? The odds are low. <laughs> <laughs> the, the odds are extremely low. Um, but I guess that's why they play the game, right? And stranger things have happened. It's, you know, 11 o'clock, you, you wonder about the kind of motivation angle and how sleepy the stadium will be. You wonder if the stadium will be t- tense or if it's going to be loud. Um, you know, you, you wonder how C.J. Stroud is going to handle a true road environment. I mean, keep in mind, his first game at Minnesota um, is the closest thing to a hostile environment that he's played in. And that place was pretty juiced up that night for the season opener. But um, you know, it's only 50,000 people. I mean, it's not exactly a, a hornet's nest that you go into at Minnesota. So this is going to be his first kind of true, um, I guess, hostile environment, potentially, depending on how the fans act. The same fans that were leaving very early against Purdue. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. But it doesn't look good for the good guys. No, it, it doesn't. And, and I kind of... <laughs> You know, I think of all the the catchphrases and monikers that have been used this week, and one of the words that sticks out to me is grit. And the one thing you can say about this Nebraska football team in 2021 
is that they've shown a lot of grit, right? They've mm-hmm. they've battled to the end in, in every ball game, and I don't, I I just don't know if and when this team has a breaking point, and if if Ohio State, because there's a long history of Ohio State breaking teams, specifically Nebraska teams. <laughs> if you, you know, I mean, it, it's they've killed a lot of coaches or. James Franklin wants the hell out because he can't beat him. And, you know, you just wonder where Nebraska's at today. You wonder where Nebraska's at today. You wonder what's going to happen on offense. And, Cranach, I worry about the defense as yeoman as they've been all season long. Uh, I think they, they, they emptied a lot and then just kept going, not on fumes, but they, they put their, their life into that Michigan State game. They put their life into that Michigan game. Uh, they have had consecutive stops in a lot of halves of football. When you go back to the Minnesota game, six straight consecutive uh, three and outs or stops to get the football back for the offense. And even against Purdue, uh, they they really stepped up towards the end of the second half and into the third quarter uh, once you had that, that pick six. But eventually... They didn't have anything left because the offense is going three and out or turning the football over. And you just wonder if Nebraska can can get some complimentary football going today. And that's been an ongoing discussion in four years. We'll get to the big picture talk about Scott Frost, his future, this team in a little bit. But the task at hand is to go out, compete, uh, give it your best and and. and, and a lot of teams' best mark isn't going to matter against Ohio State. They look, they make really good teams look bad because of what they are on offense. So I, I'm wondering about Nebraska's grit today as far as if it can match what it's been all season long. Do they have enough left to, uh, to give it their all? And they're going to intend to do so, but can that, that want to be matched with action on the field. Numbers to get in today 4663776466377 or 800-825-5865 can find us uh, on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio and can email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Single Barrel's awesome. And, and Cranach, I know you're a Scotch guy. They've got a 20-year-old Dewars uh, that, that just came in that they've already offered me as some sort of pain medication going to this 11 o'clock kickoff. I have said no. But uh, what you're welcome to is after the ball game, Cranach, swing by here because we're doing Real Red Reaction immediately following. And I know you're kind of a Scotch guy, aren't you? Uh, some. And a little bit of Irish is good yeah, from they, time well, to time as well. Plenty of Irish for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, 250 uh, whiskeys to choose from. The breakfast buffet is incredible. The fresh fruit is is marvelous. It looks really good. And then uh, get yourself some some bacon and eggs as well. But no, I'm I'm interested here. I'm interested in Adrian's bounce back. I'm interested in in Nebraska's time of possession because it's gone the wrong way for Nebraska the last two games against Purdue and Minnesota. And then I'm just interested here in the aggressiveness and the use of JoJo Doman today. Can he yeah. kind of fly off the edge and, and be a turnover forcer for this big red defense? And, and the bigger picture, Cranach, how how are you feeling here about Scott's mm-hmm. future? Uh, you have three games left. Uh, you have today that's that's important to not get blown out or 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 fight. I guess is the best term to use. And uh, are you 
skittish? Do you think he's back? Do you know yet? Are you thinking there's change in the air? Listening to our old buddy Dari that you used to work with at Channel A, Dari Noka, now national ESPN man and SEC network. I mean, the, the national guys are wondering if the time is dwindling for Scott. Locally, that's been the talk as well. And you have a little bit of commentary from Ted Carter to Tom Chattel on a Wednesday outside the, uh, the Baxter Arena that really wasn't that revealing, but it was something. And you, you just wonder how, how things are going to go because I think a, a lot of folks in this state want Scott to do well and, and be back. And then there's the fan base part that's, that's seen enough in four years and don't think there's any reality of it getting better. It's I know it is such an it's it's a such a unique situation like look at the end of Callahan writing was on the wall mm-hmm. and you just knew right you, you just knew it was time you knew that the fit between Callahan and Osborne was not going to work just period so you didn't have any questions then Bo Pelini you, you did you had questions like dude this guy's winning but he's also embarrassing the university with what he says and doesn't say and his sideline demeanor and all that stuff. Um, so you could kind of see why it would happen, even if you didn't agree. Um, and then Riley, I think that was another just obvious one. The, the team completely caved and gave up and did not even put up a defensive fight There's against anybody factor, they faced down right? the stretch. Right. Yeah. And that's sort of what you were alluding to t- today, which makes it so interesting is that, look, I, I have not seen fans empty out like they did against Purdue. I mean, since Riley, right? Since those times, like that was, that was definitely Husker Nation saying, "I've seen enough." I mean, that that place that was, was their that was their breaking point. Listen, it was a constant stream to the exits. I mean, you could just watch it from up tall, and they you were just pissed. See, I mean, they were it, absolutely well, pissed, and they were pissed at the turnovers. But dude, it, with less than ten minutes left in the fourth quarter, you just saw. A, I mean, if you just looked down at the exits. I know it was fire, there it was were people drill. in line waiting fire to get out. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was it was not good. Um, so I think that's where, you know, whether or not the the fans in the stadium represent all fans, that's that's a whole nother question. But the fans in the stadium, the ones that are spending their money, spending their hours, um, devoting a large chunk of their weekend and their pocketbook. <laughs> they, dude, they, they're not fit. So w- when you look at that, coupled with, you know, there's already sort of attendance issues sure. nationwide, not just at Nebraska, but just nationwide, just getting and keeping fans engaged at a game is difficult now with all the technology and all the team teams on TV and all, all that. You need a party deck, Cranach. And well, right. <laughs> that would be nice. And then, and then on top of that, when you hear Coach Frost in the post game, he doesn't have answers. He doesn't. He doesn't really have answers, and he's like, "Oh, we just got to make one more play. Just got to make one more." It's just like, no. You can only say that so many times. He, he's not right? wrong, like, though, Cranek. Like, he's not wrong. I mean, it's it's a two way street sure. of of those guys being able to line, you know, calling a a quarterback sneak and it not fumbling, okay, or sure. the running back not going the wrong way, or or you know the invisible man tripping you up inside the three. Uh, it's it's sure. knowing the the option route and the right direction to break. If you're a NFL talent that has 
you know, people are clamoring for, for more playing time for Omar and Betts. And on their end, they got to know what, what they're doing a thousand percent. And it's also the coach's job to coach them up and get them there, right? Versus this mm-hmm. carrot of withholding playing time. So, well, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a two way street of some of the position groups need to coach better, they need to streamline a rotation. Okay, and you need to play call, and then the trick play's been like scrutinized, scrutinized all week, and and part of it's ego and and brashness. Where well, let's let's uh, let's show everyone how smart we are, and it, it it's it's a loss. <laughs> it's a, yeah. it's a you know, but but there there have been those moments more time moments more times than not against Brom specifically when you're frost trying to show how big your brain is and. That part of that's maturity. I, I do think the guys need to step up and play better, but I think they need to get coached better. And and in some instances, yeah. they, they have been coached well, and I think the defensive side of the balls, pretty much beyond reproach. Are they perfect? No. Do they need to pass rush better? Yes. But overall, man, they've kicked butt and taken names. They've carried this team. It's the offensive well, side of the ball, aside from tight ends, that, you know, you got a problem with this year. And Yet, yet still – ranks in the top 25 That's in terms of maddening. total offense. They're just such an enigma. The team makes no damn sense. So today and, would and, make to- total sense if, for an upset, correct? Well, maybe. Uh, whatever. <laughs> Don't go that it, far. This, I mean, look, it's a team that can't even string together three wins in a row and hasn't under Frost. So, like, no, I know. chill out on beating the top offense in the nation right now. Uh, it's just, <laughs> I, I don't know. It, and the, here's, here's the other thing, Chris. It is a team. Just chill out. It is a team under Frost that consistently, consistently does not make the big play when it's needed most. Yes. Consistently. Even though that's what he talks about. That's what he talked about in the postgame show. we got to make plays when, uh, you know, at, at, the, at the key moments or something like that. That consistently does not happen. Going back years. And so it's look, it's one thing when it's taken in isolation, the Michigan State game, the weird punt. That's weird, right? Like, and, and you can, in isolation, you can say, well, if they just didn't do that. Michigan game, the fumble on the last drive, right? Um, you just go on and on. Illinois, the safety, safety, whatever the hell that was, and the fumble for a scoop six. You know, the pick six against Purdue. That's football I, IQ and, and coaching. It's just, Dude, yeah, exa- it, like so in isolation, yes, take those plays off. But how come Nebraska consistently makes those plays? Because they're not organized. Well, and, and whose that job starts is that? at the top. <laughs> Absolutely right. I mean, it's 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 a broken record. Now, here's here's the the question. Here's the topic about seeing a fifth year, right? Is is can Trev make him organized? Yeah. Right, huh. I mean, Trev's Trev's a mentor, Trev's a leader, and and Trev's uh, a teacher, right? I mean, there was pretty much zero supervision for three and a half years, and I love the moose, but the moose got him here. You needed Trev here day one as well to keep keep things micromanaged because some people need micromanaged. And you, and, and you know, and, he and, could and, be and, one of those guys that does. And, and Scott's Scott's thrived when he's had someone he's had to answer to, okay? He had to answer to his AD at, at Central Florida. It was his first job. He had to answer to Bill Parcells. It's his head coach. He had to answer to, 
Uh, Tomlin. He had to answer to Chip Kelly. Okay? He had to answer to Tom Osborne. He had to answer to Jason Peter. He had to answer to Grant Wistrom. When he's had someone hold him accountable, he's been incredible. And this is the first little window to do that. And Trev's just been here. Okay? I mean, he's just, right? I mean, he, it was this summer. So I, I'd like to see some changes on, on offensive philosophy, first of all. I still want a mobile quarterback, but you need a quarterback that either can stay healthy or that you, you got to run your offense through the line. It can't be run your offense through the quarterback. You've got to have a philosophical change uh, and, and more ball control. So I think your skill guys are pretty good, and I don't want to punt the offensive line group yet just because yeah. – He's, I mean, I think you have talent on the O line. Uh, yeah, I think I, th- I think I think uh, Big Ted is is a big time difference maker. Your whole line gets a ton better if he's playing left tackle. He ain't because he's hurt. So I think there are, are pieces here to make an argument for a fifth year if there are some parameters that are not negotiable. That that Trev's like, look, bro, I know we're going to meet every Sunday, but here's what needs to happen with how you're practicing. Uh, here's what needs to happen with where we go offensively, direction-wise, and, and here's what needs to happen when it comes to you becoming a better CEO type. And you've got, honestly, Cranach, to not to, to punt this year, but next year, they've got a more manageable schedule next year. And Dolman yeah. made a great point yesterday where how many teams would be 3-6 and six if they would have had Nebraska's schedule. They might not be 3-6, and six, but they wouldn't be unbeaten. So Nebraska's stood up. And, and competed, but they got to turn that competition into victories. So well, I, 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 I can see and hear folks that have seen enough, absolutely, because of, of all these weird things you highlighted. Shouldn't happen. It shouldn't happen once, let alone multiple times in different phases of football yeah. uh, in the same season. But, man, the resiliency by this team has been, been very impressive. The resiliency by this four-year quarterback has been impressive, but it's it's something where give me a fifth year of, of Frost with changes, with more direction, for, with some hand-holding if, if need be, and let's see what happens. Let's see if he can be great. And well, The other part of it, and I'll shut up, and I'll let you jump in, I promise. No, no. The other part of it is if you hit reset again, how – where what what's the timeline to to get to bowl eligibility and, and above five hundred? If you hit reset, make a change. How far back do you set the program versus in this race? Where how far from start is Scott? We know it's four years, right? And we know you're sub five hundred, and you've not beat very many winning teams. But if somebody helps you get out of your own way and makes a makes a makes a makes makes you change, great. Or it's his personality, it's his DNA, and and he can't. But do you do you gamble another year, a fifth year, for the sake of, of sanity, uh, and and stability, or do you just go back through the same rut, the same cycle? I'm done. Soapbox is put away. <laughs> it's it's well, this is the the medium for it, man. You're fine. See, so a lot there. Now, Ted Carter's saying that no decision has been made yet. Tells me that they're weighing a decision. 
Yeah. Right? Like they, they it, are it wasn't, hey, he's, it wasn't, he, hey, he's back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? It's on the table. Mm-hmm. It's on the table. And, and today is a big test for that. I don't think anybody expects Nebraska to win. I don't think anybody expects Nebraska to win. But do they get curb stomped? Or right. does this team that's only lost in one score games show enough spine, show enough grit to hang? I, it, it's sad that that's what we're talking about, but honestly, I think that's what the evaluation is today. Is like, are they going to hang or are they going to get their doors blown off and show disinterest and just kind of mail it in? Which happens at the end of coaching tenures, right? That, that's yes. what happens. At the end of coaching tenures, players they just kind of mail it in. The problem, the problem with doing it against Ohio State, though, is that even if you do everything right, they're good enough to blow you out. <laughs> they just are. So we so got to like, be watching for blowout versus quit is what you're telling me. I'm just telling you today's part of the evaluation, but I think it's more so on Wisconsin and Iowa. I really do. Yeah. I, okay, I think today is, is I think today is sort of an outlier, but to a point, right? If it's 70 nothing, it's probably over, <laughs> right? Um, but, I don't need that. I do not need that today. Well, it would be pretty clear at that point, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then as far as as far as whether or not you get the fifth year and do you do it with changes and philosophical changes, I the thing that I keep coming back to, and I got to couch this by saying this is not about Joe Burrow and whether or not he would have won the Heisman at Nebraska. This is not okay. So like, stop that. I don't think he would have won the Heisman there. He made a good decision for himself. Blah blah blah. He did want to come to Nebraska. You said no. Scott Frost did not want to bring him in while at the same time was espousing as he came here that this place was going to be about competition. Right? This place is about competition. Every spot open all the time. May the best man win. Except right? quarterback. Right? So I I just thought it was so telling that he – like. The downside of bringing in a Burrow was like none. He's a legacy. You know he's going to work hard. He's he had just ass trained for under Cincinnati. Yeah, <laughs> he, he had just trained it's under cool. Urban Meyer for a couple years. Had just lost out to I think it was was it Haskins that he lost out to. He um, did, which was a stupid which, call. But either way, it was just like the downside. Like he's he's not going to be a locker room cancer. He's a no. Husker through and through. You know, like. Give him a shot. Like what, There is no downside to bringing him in if you're about competition. But I think there's been a certain level of coddling at the quarterback position. I, I really do believe that. I don't blame Adrian for that. I, I think it's Frost's experience himself yeah, that he had a quarterback. Like the fact that he mentioned today that he wants Adrian to have a redemption game. What? What are we doing here? This isn't this is a this is the Nebraska football program. Okay, this isn't the let Adrian get a redemption game program. Like what? You're that's that's your that's where your head's going? I, I, I just it's it's mind boggling to me that you haven't been able to recruit or open up or the fact the guy threw four picks like and you you you, you don't sit him for that 
it's just it's it's odd. It's odd what's happened at quarterback. I don't think it's helped Adrian. I don't think it's helped Scott. And it's I don't know. And and something about that needs to uh, needs to get rectified. But like think about that. Like it. And look, hindsight twenty twenty. Joe, Bur- I'm literally not saying Joe Burrow would have won the Heisman if he came to Nebraska. I'm really not saying that. I know no, he but would you, not. But you're, but you're bowling likely at some point with Burrow. And guess what? Adrian's got to either work to to win the job or he's got time to season. Now, Adrian's, if you're Adrian, about Adrian, competition, right? You can't say one then thing. You got to be about competition. It's not about. Say, it's not sometimes. It's not at some positions. It's it's all the time. I, I think I think that's a real problem. I think you've got enough stand-up dudes in the locker room that they're going to keep doing their job, but you've got a set of rules where you're yanked by Travis Fisher if you don't do your job. Barrett yep. Rood's going to sit you if you're not doing your job. Uh, Chins is going to sit you if you're not doing your job. All right, and eventually it took seven sacks, but it's time to take to make changes on the offensive line if you're not doing your job. Well, you, you go the wrong way, you get to watch uh, the rest of the Michigan game, all right, if you're at IBAC. The, the Teflon spot on this team with, with bubble wrap has been quarterback. And, and you, you, you made the change last year, and it was the wrong decision, not, to, not necessarily to bench Adrian, but you had the wrong quarterback there that's a turnover machine in McCaffrey. And then he put Adrian through that mental gymnastics course. He's bounced back, but you're still rolling with him now, even after four picks. Which, Could by the way, too... that last pick to Allen, I don't even think should be counted as an interception. Th- but... That was right. That was, but but still, Catch you had three. But you had three. But you had yeah. three, and you could have had one more. That was a second pick six. He isn't yeah. healthy, and it's affecting his play. And we've seen this before from him every year. when he's been less than 100%. It affects his accuracy and his confidence. And it's his performance it's, it's a, and the team. It, it, it's, it's not helping the performance. You're right. And you can't – that's just got to burn some folks on the team within the team that here's a set of rules and treatment of Adrian and then there's everybody else. And that's how it feels and looks. And I know quarterbacks are special. Lawrence Taylor was special, and he got treated special, right, yeah. by, by Bill Parcell. So it's not like this doesn't happen on teams. And Dominican Sue had more leadway under Bo Pelini uh, than, than everybody else. But folks were like, well, that's okay because we need him to win, <laughs> right? You want to win. Uh, but, but you've had plays and decisions that have helped cost you football games. Yeah. And, and it's, and it's got to it's gotta stop. And part of that is – the bigger picture discussion with Trev to Scott. And I think you crushed it with your evaluation is what do you do against Wisconsin and Iowa, but you can't quit today. And I don't think no. the kids have any intent to quit, but you, you better you better do everything in your power to get these kids ready on offense with your play calling and and just go out and, and try and give it your all. I Quick mean time dude, out. it's the num- it's the Ohio State's the number one offense in America. And no, I know. in that in that stretch of Rutgers, Maryland, Indiana, they punted like once. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're they're loaded offensive. Like again, you can do everything right, but Travion Henderson might just hit that hole better than you. Oh, he's and gonna he's gonna crush call. it today. It's still gonna be forty two twenty one and you could play a good ball game. 
Let's yeah. do a quick uh, quick timeout. We are well overdue. It's weekend edition, Hale Varsity Radio. We're here at the Single Barrel. You want some bacon and eggs? You want some breakfast buffet? Do uh, you want an omelet? I mean, they've got an incredible spread down here for you. Also got an incredible breakfast menu. They have Bloody Mary's, Craneck. They have 250 whiskeys. They've got plenty of beer uh, to get you cranked up for 11 a.m. If you need a cup of coffee, that's what I'm working on, despite uh, what, what, what you may think I'm sipping on. Uh, we are going to rewind in a moment. Tim May will join us as he is uh, the the Ohio State insider. So Tim May coming up. Uh, we'll have the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp. I have promised him bacon and eggs, so he will be on site with us. And uh, Brandon Vogel also in the 8 o'clock hour. Cranach, it's a big game because you will be in the stands, so you will bow out a little bit after 8 as uh, we roll forward here. It is Ohio State weekend, Nebraska-Ohio State. We're down here at the single barrel inside the graduate weekend edition. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Now it's time to get back to the Hale Varsity Radio Show with Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. All right, that's it! You two guys leave me no choice. No television for a week. What? Back in Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time to talk Buckeyes and uh, a longtime Ohio State insider with uh, LettermanRow.com. We say hi to Tim May. And you can find Tim on Twitter at Tim underscore May Sports. Tim, headed back to Lincoln this weekend, man. How you doing? I'm doing extremely well, man. How you guys doing? We're good. You get any golf in, or is the weather as crummy up your direction as it is here? Well, I'm semi-retired, which means I don't have to work as hard as I used to, even though I still end up working a lot during the weeks. But uh, with my podcast and stories I do for LettermanRoad.com and covering the games and stuff, but uh, I have uh, gotten in at least one round of golf every week, I think, since February. So you are. that's an, at least one round. Let me put it that way. And I'll be playing again tomorrow, my man. Uh, let's dive in here. And I want to start off with, with Coach Day's presser the other day and you know, a lot of a lot of chatting was going on about the playoff. Where's Ohio State going to be? That was the focus, and and Coach Day kind of pumped the brakes on that and says, "Oh, you know, by the way, Nebraska's really good." I'm just paraphrasing. What do you make of this squad from afar? Well, not just from afar. I said at the very beginning of the season because I was asked, you know, my you know being around this for many decades now I was asked you know what are the what are the games or games are you would you think Ohio State should be concerned with I go well some of them are obvious but uh the two games you've got your eye on I had my eye on even then were at Nebraska and at Michigan uh, two coaches who were clear on the, on the hot seat going into the year you know I don't know how hot Jim Harbaugh's seat is at the moment clearly there has been a there has been some heat put on him since uh, the, the loss at Michigan State the other day. But, uh, you know, two teams I think are that are decently talented and, and two coaches who are desperate for a victory, a meaningful victory. And with that said, you know, two programs that are desperate for a meaningful, meaningful victory. And I definitely put Nebraska in that realm. And then you look at Nebraska, you know, and I don't know if self-inflicted wounds are the same thing as being snake bit, you know, but uh, – <laughs> Uh, when you consider their losses all by, what, eight points or fewer, but then you consider their losses to Michigan, their loss to Oklahoma, the way they played Oklahoma, I thought Oklahoma would just blow them out. And it was the opposite of that. Uh, there's definitely some spunk there. There's def- definitely some talent there. And that's what uh, Ryan Day is looking at. Uh, this is 
this is a team that, for whatever reason, hasn't been able to get it done uh, this year on a consistent basis, but it's been in every game it's played. So, you know, how do you deal with, with that kind of animal, so to speak, you know, that's backed into a corner now and, uh, you know, whether it's too late, you know, for that animal to escape the corner, you know, that's, that's for folks like you out in Nebraska to be uh, ascertaining. But uh, that's what he's talking about. He thinks this is a, when you look at him on video, this is a pretty good team that doesn't have the results to show for it. Tim Mays with us, Sale Varsity Radio. I think you nailed it. Have you seen in your time covering the Big Ten, is there a team that this Nebraska team reminds you of that scares the heck out of about everybody but plays better against some of the, the elite teams? It's funny. Uh, it, <clears throat> you know, I wasn't expecting this question, but it, but it reminds me of a little bit of Indiana back in the day when Bill Mallory was a head coach. They played so hard and so tough, and if they got to the fourth quarter, they had a shot against you. And that was when Ohio State kind of fell off the beam for a little while in the late 80s, but then came back. Uh, But it was also a team that couldn't quite get it done, usually, you know, against Ohio State and Michigan and whomever, you know, whomever else was the the kingpin of that era. They did get it done, you know, a couple times, obviously, uh, recently, but not against Ohio State, for example. You know, they came close last year. And now you've seen what's happened to them this year. They've fallen back to last place in the Big Ten East. But, uh, yeah, I mean, but this this Nebraska team's a little unique in the sense that it's got a, what, a fourth-year starting quarterback? Do I have that right? It's yeah. just like Adrian Martinez has been there for about 12 years. But it's got a head coach that was a, a darling of the of, of the fans when he was hired four years ago. And they're sort of wed together in this thing, you know, Scott Frost and Adrian Martinez. And this is pretty – my opinion, a pretty unique circumstance unto itself because uh, for whatever reason, it has not worked. And worked means, you know, worked is the first first letter in, in, in win. Mm-hmm. It has not worked. And uh, uh, so that, that's what I'm looking at. I mean, so I'm kind of stammering a little bit just because, you know, you, 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 I just think back to four years ago and how fired up people were to finally get a Nebraska man in there, you know. Kind of like how Michigan was fired up to get a Michigan man uh, back at the back at the helm, and just for whatever reason, it hasn't. Well, in Michigan's case, it's worked a little bit better, mm-hmm. but it hasn't worked enough to get to get Michigan a uh, Big Ten championship or even play for one. And so, yeah, this is perplexing a little bit. Tim, let's talk about the Buckeyes and let's uh, focus in on Stroud. You've seen a lot of really high level quarterbacks at Ohio State. Where does he stack up? What makes him so dynamite this early in his career? Yeah, they've all been different, number one. You know, just like when people ask me about Chris Olave and the receivers and ranking them, I mean, they're all, all those big-time receivers are all a little bit different. And uh, at the moment, you know, C.J. Stroud has played, uh, I think he's played as well as any Richard freshman quarterback uh, that they've had, and that, that, that takes into consideration uh, Justin Fields. I think he's playing uh, a little bit to the level Justin did uh, three years ago when he was a first-year starter, you know, after he transferred from Georgia. But, uh, you know, maybe not quite on that level because what, what's the difference between him and Justin Fields is the running, not only the running ability of Justin Fields, but the running uh, the running desire of Justin Fields. I mean, he 
he, he would pull it down and pull the ball down and run quite a bit, especially like against Penn State back in 2019. He was really, that was really the difference in that game uh, when they beat him in Ohio Stadium the last time Penn State showed up. But uh, you know he's different in his own ways. He's more of a he leans more to Dwayne Haskins Jr. than he does to Justin Fields or you know one of those kind of quarterbacks. I think Justin Fields if he'd stuck around for another year, he'd be he'd be putting up records with this group around him. This ridiculously deep offensive uh, group around him. He'd be putting up records that I think would last for a long time. But C.J. Stroud clearly has come on big time, especially after he took one game off. They gave him one game off to rest that shoulder, and as he said, he, he had a supernatural healing of it, whatever that means. <laughs> and uh, and now he's playing very well. Yeah, he's playing extremely well, actually, for a first-year starting quarterback and seems to be getting better. Tim May is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Tim, I think a lot of Nebraska Nebraska fans got their impression of Ohio State early in the season, that Thursday night showcase against Minnesota and then the big new kickoff against Oregon. Uh, but then Ohio State's played some admittedly inferior competition before we got another look at them uh, against Penn State last week. And they look like a much improved squad, uh, C.J. Stroud included. Can you tell me a little bit about this, the improvement of this Ohio State squad from uh, a team that lost that heartbreaker to Oregon to now a team that had a pretty convincing win last week against Penn State? big difference is, number one, uh, as the analogy I've used is uh, Ryan Day went in the day after the loss to Oregon, put the hood up on the uh, defense, changed the mechanic, the lead mechanic on the defense, and things have gotten progressively better since then. You know, they can still play better defensively, but they've become much more confident. Uh, changed the scheme up a little bit, not a whole lot, but a little bit, basically with two high safety look uh, a lot more than ever before, so using that one-high safety, which I know Nebraska fans are uh, accustomed to seeing out there when Nebraska plays, but they went to two-high safety look. It's kind of freed up some guys to kind of run to the ball, be a little more aggressive, but there were so many new starters defensively. You know, the experience they've gotten over the last several games has meant as much as any change they made scheme-wise because now you're seeing guys teeing off and playing with a lot lot more confidence. You'll still, be, you'll still give up a player for in a game because the other, as uh, John Cooper, former high state coach, used to say, the other team practices too, you know. Uh, but, the, but the bottom line is uh, they've gotten much more competent, much more confident, and uh, that's, that's what stood out about it. And offensively, as we talked about about C.J. Stroud, after taking that game off against Akron, he's gotten better and better and better the last several weeks, even against uh, Penn State last week, you know. Uh, he threw for over 300 yards and was a difference maker at the right time. So uh, that's been the difference. You've seen a young team, both at quarterback and then on defense, grow up a little bit more. Tim Mays with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Tim, a couple of last thoughts here. The, the receiving core with Wilson and Olave are special. When it comes to the – Wait a minute. Let me interrupt you. Do not – leave out Jackson Smith and Jigba, number 11. And, and you got Jackson with 35 catches. That's tied with Alave. But as far as a specialty, right, they're all special, but from a specialty standpoint, is there a role, I guess, for each of these guys, or do they all do about everything perfectly? You know, this is going to sound like a stupid statement, but uh, I think Chris Olave could get open in a mud puddle. You okay. know? No, it's I mean, fine. <laughs> that's what he does. Uh Eric Wilson is just a jumping jack. I mean, uh, by jumping jack, I don't mean he just jumps well. He's he's very fast. He's quick. He you throw the ball within four feet of him, 
five feet of him, he's probably going to catch it. He's going to figure out a way to get his hands on it. And Jackson Smith and Jigba is so smooth. He's fearless over the middle. Uh, and he's always, as soon as he catches the ball, he's always looking to make a move. He's very good after the catch. Uh, matter of fact, all three of them are very good after the catch. Chris Olave, that's a part of his game he's added or enhanced this year. But, uh, you know, it goes along with the scheme that uh, Brian Day and Kevin Wilson and that group, uh, on the offensive coaching side, they find ways to get these guys open. And when you've got three options on a play, it's it's pretty good, you know. But uh, uh, but that it's all it's it's all come together. And then you got you know Trevion Henderson catching the ball out of the backfield, maybe Mike Williams doing that, and then argue, arguably the best tight end in the league in Jeremy Ruckert in the Big Ten, and Jeremy Ruckert, one of the best in the country. You know, he and uh, Cage Stover have really have really come on at the defensive end spots, and you know they've got three defense excuse me defensive end tight end spots, mm-hmm. and then. Uh, They've got three tight ends they use a lot, and uh, so uh, that that's that's what it's been. It's just they've added um, those guys. Their talents are better than they were a year ago, and then you add in all this other stuff, and it, you know, the the the, run, the threat of the run. If they could get C.J. Stroud to run four or five times in a game, they would really have it going on, I do believe. But but that's what sets them apart is their ability to get open. Tim, what type of game is this? Uh, if Nebraska is to keep it close, they'll need some turnovers. They'll need some pressure. Yeah. Uh, that said, uh, it, I think back to 18 and how back and forth and entertaining that was. And then most of the matchups have been uh, severe beatings uh, by Ohio State to hand it out to Nebraska. Uh, some uh, some tension, some do or die type mentality for, for Nebraska to, to try and take down a big dog. Is this thing a score fast is it something where Ohio State doesn't blink because they don't blink too often on the road or at home? How do you see this thing shaking out? I, you know, here's here's a stat that uh, we didn't even discuss: is that Ohio State's defense has scored a touchdown in six of its of its eight games this year, <laughs> including last week. The real maybe the play of the game was Jerron Cage, yeah. big defensive tackle, uh, scoop and score after. Uh, a fumble caused by Tyreek Smith, who's just come back online at defensive end for Ohio State, and uh, Zach Harrison meeting at Sean Clifford and the ball coming out. But, uh, you know, wow, you know, you at this point in the season, you kind of are who you are, you know. And uh, and at this point in the career, Adrian Martinez, I mean, this is this may be his last shot to really prove himself against a big-time opponent. I know they've got, you know, Iowa down the line and stuff, but, I mean, this is this – is, the kind of game that Adrian Martinez, for example, was recruited to make a difference in, you know, way back when. And he's, you know, we let's clear. I mean, I even watched the, the you know, the, the game from last week. He had some, he had some tough moments. Let's just leave it at that, you know. <laughs> and uh, that's kind of been the case uh, a lot throughout his career in the bigger games, and uh, and definitely this year in some games. So I expect this Ohio State defense to get after him and them. And then I think Ohio State's offense, you know, you can look at last week and say they only scored 33 points, but uh, they were a lot closer to scoring 50 than, than uh, Penn State was to scoring more than 24, if you follow my drift, because they settled, had to settle for four field goals. And uh, I, I think this offense is very tough to stop on a consistent basis just because they can, if you take this away, they've got this go, they've got this other thing going for them, et cetera. So, um I'm just humming, because you know you never know how you never know how turnovers if they're going to happen and how they're going to affect the game. 
But I would take Ohio State being a – I don't even know what the the spread was as we talk right now. But, 14 uh, and a half. Uh, yeah. I think 14 and a half is pretty close, you know, for, yeah. for this game. Uh, and uh, so I would say somewhere in the 14 to 20-point range going in would be the, what I'd be looking at. Yep, and turnovers will be the key, and, and that's what kept Nebraska in it back in 18. And uh, yep. that's been the problem for Adrian. You, know, you might be interested – your listeners might be interested to listen to my podcast this week because I had uh, Joshua Perry on from the Big Ten Network, okay. former Ohio State linebacker. But we, we talked specifically uh, about Nebraska and why it just hadn't gotten done, you know. And uh, and it's pretty interesting, his comments there. But but how, you know, it just you just – the trophies are in – you know the trophies are in the are in the hallway. You know they haven't gotten any new trophies in a long time and stuff. And what are the reasons for that? And we kind of got into it. You know it's tough tough to recruit there now on a consistent basis. I do believe. And then you've had so many coaches go through there over the last several last uh, couple of decades. You know it's the continuity just hadn't been there like it was in the nineties. And uh, you know and there are all kinds of reasons for that. But it's it's a pretty interesting take on it. Well, we'll check that out for sure, Tim. And we can't wait to see you Saturday in the press box, bud. You got it, man. I always enjoy being on with you, my man. Tim, you take care. Thanks so much. All righty. Tim May with us here. The Rewind on Hale Varsity Radio. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Connor Clark here. We're winding down this first hour as uh, we are trying to get things so we can see Mark Cranach's beautiful face. Cranach, do you, you have us at least uh, in one earbud, buddy? He is just blinking. That's a no. So we will maybe get him connected via Skype. Can, can we do that? <laughs> this is wonderful. Okay. Uh, so the long and short is Brandon Vogels coming up. Vogels will be with us here uh, in the 8 o'clock hour. Excited to spend some time with the Hale Varsity managing editor. There's a, a gentleman here that is just killing pancakes god love him the breakfast buffet is tremendous there's french toast there's a lot of grandpas and grandmas with their grandkids a lot wearing red nebraska red not necessarily buckeye red but there's a lot of buckeyes here as well and uh it's filling up uh, you're invited down here to the single barrel weekend edition on the road and our road show powered by your friends at ferris financial group and Aero Brokerage, uh, both uh, great companies in Lincoln. And uh, we've got, uh, I think, omelets on the way. The Iron Horse, Gary Sharp, will join us in hour two, around 8.30. Uh, we are going to bribe him with some breakfast goodies so we can get him on site. That is good. And uh, we'll uh, get some final thoughts from Mark Cranach. He's going to load up the family truckster and bring his kids down again for Nebraska, and we spent a lot of time talking about the the word grit in our one, and uh, you've seen that all year from Nebraska. The hope is to see it again today against number five in the country, and uh, we'll see what type of Ohio State team shows up. And you never thought Nebraska would be compared to a Purdue or a Michigan State or a Minnesota for one of those 11 a.m. sleepy kickoffs where you got to bring your own juice, but that might be the case for Ohio State this morning. A quick timeout, hour two on the way. We're down here at the single barrel inside the graduate. I uh, want to see you down here, get some breakfast, get a Bloody Mary, 
and uh, get ready for Nebraska Ohio State Hail Varsity continues we're presented by the Nebraska Lottery the Hail Varsity Radio Saturday morning show presented by the Nebraska Lottery strap yourselves in here are your hosts Chris Schmidt y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28 and now roll time and Mark Cranach time has come for someone to put his foot down and that foot is me. Back with you, Tower 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Here, Roadshow Friday uh, was yesterday. It's uh, the weekend edition now uh, back at the Single Barrel. And uh, excited to, uh, to be here. We have some T-shirts and koozies and a lot of folks bellying up for the buffet We've got uh, some bacon, some eggs, some French toast, some OJ's flowing. Uh, my OJ's going to have a little something, something in it uh, in a little bit. Uh, we are uh, going to spend some time here with the managing editor for HailVarsity.com and Magazine. And uh, he is an author with John Cook, Dream Like a Champion, Brandon Vogel with us, Mark Cranach is in. And uh, Vogue's uh, happy Saturday to you, my friend. It is Nebraska, Ohio State. Give me one word that describes this week for you with Nebraska football. Hmm. Um. <laughs> wow, it's a pretty tough one. Um, I. I guess this is what I'm supposed to do for my job, right? And I'm I'm drawing a a blank on this one. It's just been kind of a strange. I mean, I think everyone, the tone of this season has has been a difficult one. Like you can deal with the extremes of like, okay, well, not very good or very good. Nebraska's been in this middle ground of well, probably pretty good, but the record does not show it, and that's the only thing that matters. And now you've got the class of the Big Ten coming in. So, congrats. You stumped me. Brandon Bogle is with us on Hale Varsity Radio. was not intended, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Promise. Yeah, Brandon Brandon Bogle with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Brandon, it's it's funny, man. This team, especially as a guy that likes numbers and digs into the numbers, they just defy numbers. They defy logic. They violate football axioms. They make no damn sense. <laughs> have, you, have you been able to land on, like, some sort of statistic? Like, what explains what we're seeing with this program, with their performance, and then the results that those lead to? I, it's just, I, I, they're, they're so tough to figure out. Yeah, I've looked at this quite a bit. Because, I mean, this, you know, it's really, it's kind of like the same story of the past three years, like double concentrated this year. So it's it's something that I've spent a lot of time looking at. In fact, like a lot of the reason that I went into this year kind of cautiously optimistic was you could look at Nebraska after the first three seasons under his coaching staff and say, teams that do this stuff – do not lose this many games. And yet here they are, and they've kind of like said, hold my beer uh, and and, and watch this. Um, You know, I think a lot of it is, so something like yards per play. 
you can look at that usually, and it can be pretty indicative of, okay, well, this team probably outplayed that team. Um, and if you do this X amount of time, you win Y percentage of games. With Nebraska, I think there are a couple of things in play. One, the like yardage to points conversion rate. They've never gotten the good end of that deal. And, and really, when you get down to it, that's what good to great teams do. Uh, the other thing with it is, is like in so many of these games, including the past two, Nebraska's offense doesn't have the ball a whole lot. And we've seen the explosive plays for them. So you look at something like 400 yards against Purdue, you, you out-yard the Boilermakers, and you do it in 22 minutes. So a lot of, you know, if you're looking at yardage-based stats or things like that, is they put up a lot of yards, often in not a lot of time, which means not very many plays, but it's because they have to. And, you know, they fall behind in games very often, and they're kind of constantly playing. They need to put up the yardage totals, some of the offensive numbers that they have, kind of to stick around and get back in some of these games. Brendan Vogel's with us from HailVarsity.com and Magazine Managing Editor with Hale Varsity, his book, Dream Like a Champion with John Cook. Vogue's, uh, let's dive into to Adrian here and his management uh what's been your take your opinion on on how he's been handled not just career-wise but specifically saturday here um is it something where you've got to tread lightly or does there need to be some more tough love uh when when mistakes are made yeah, it's, it's, it's hard because just in general and with any coaching staff at any team in the country, I'm more often than not going to side with the people who get to see the most. And it seems to me, I don't know because we haven't seen a ton of Logan Smothers or anybody else really in that quarterback room, but I have to think that the staff has the best grasp on okay, this guy gives us the best chance to win. This guy's second best chance to win. And if that gap is pretty large, well, you get what I think we've seen so far under under Nebraska and Frost with, with Adrian Martinez. And it, it kind of makes sense to me. I mean, you're getting to a point now where you, you've lost two straight and, what, four out of your last five, where – it's almost like is is any change like a potential spark but it's just tough when you you know well this guy even if if you have to deal with some ups and downs gives you an 80 percent chance to win and everybody else combines for 20 percent it's tough to kind of make that jump brandon vogel with us on hail varsity radio uh you know when when you look at how nebraska consistently over the course of years now, does not make the big play when it matters most. They just don't. Can you point to something there? Is that coaching? Is that not having the right players? Is this some sort of magic combination of the two? Where do you look when you see that that is the case and you're, say, Trev Alberts? Yeah, it's well to, to kind of dovetail with the quarterback discussion. If I tend to give coaches the benefit of the doubt in personnel decisions, I tend to maybe 
default to to kind of putting the blame there uh, when you have kind of this bizarre chain with with Nebraska. I mean, it really stands out over a four year or almost four season span of how it does just happen that way. <laughs> they make the wrong play or don't make the right play at exactly the right or wrong time, whatever the case may be. And I think the only way to get around that is, you know, through an intense kind of focus on technique. You've, a play with the game on the line for, for good teams, for teams that have been coached at a very high level, what I see often is it doesn't feel different from the first and 10 play to open the game. And I think that's where you're trying to get to. Nebraska hasn't been able to. I think some of this comes down to, and I mean, this gets pretty um, ephemeral, I guess, but because Nebraska has to expend a ton of energy often to get back into these games, to rally from 14 points down in the second half, or whatever the case may be, I, I think there's kind of just a natural tendency for a let-up, because so often Nebraska does climb back into these games. You get there, you're like, okay, we're back on neutral ground. And it seems at that point that a lot of these games kind of fall out of their grasp. So I wonder if some of this isn't a little bit psychological as well. Hmm. Vogues, I think you're right on with the, the psychological part where the team wants it, they're trying, and they just haven't had a, a history of success. And then you, you also kind of teeter-totter up and down to your competition that said, they'll get up for today, um, and I think they'll they'll give a, a great effort. I'm interested from a strategy standpoint. I want you to wear a headset, <laughs> and and what do you do to slow down the Buckeyes' offense if your coach chins? Who's your hero today? You need 11 of them totally, but one can 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 influence more than than others. And I I think a JoJo, but. Uh, is there a guy you're circling today that's got to be big? And, and how do you go about trying to tame this Buckeye offense? Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> there's no there's no shortcuts with that one or easy way to do it. I think this is a a big day for Nebraska's secondary because so you look at that Ohio State rushing rushing attack and you look at those running backs and they're really really good. But I like I like Nebraska's linebacker core. Um, I like the defensive line. It's not going to you know force a ton of sacks or it hasn't coming into this game. But their ability to kind of tackle and be where they're supposed to be in that front seven has been really strong. So Ohio State may still you know average six yards a carry, but if they do, that's that's kind of Nebraska holding its own. I think the bigger concern for me is just with that wide receiver group of Ohio State. So if there's a single player, it might be, you know, it's going to be a challenging day. I'm probably really interested, the most interested in kind of his reaction and response to it with with a guy like Miles Farmer. He's going to be going against some of the best receivers in the country. And and that Ohio State passing game is it's so difficult because not only do they have this fleet of guys who can, one, run by you, Two, if you stick with them, just win a lot of the time downfield. But, and we saw this last week against Penn State, 
Ohio State's also very happy to just sling it out to those guys on quick passes on the perimeter. And the dangerous thing there is they're so good that those short passes that might be, you know, six yards and you, you chalk it up as a win because you live to fight another down are often 15, 16, 17 yards. So for the secondary, they not only have to go back with this group of guys, they also have to be willing to come up and tackle really well. It requires, you know, almost pretty close to perfection when you look at it from a defensive backs perspective. That's kind of the rub about today, isn't it, Brandon? Because, look, you have the fans more or less voted where they're at during that Purdue game, right, with everybody streaming and leaving the exits. Now comes your stiffest offensive test where it's like even if you play really well defensively, you can still get your doors blown off. <laughs> you know what? Like if you do everything right, if you do what you're supposed to do, they're good enough to do that. So that being said, wh- where do you think this game ranks in the overall evaluation if you're Trev Alberts, if you're Ronnie Green, if you're Ted Carter? Because it seems pretty clear based on Ted Carter's comments that there, he, when he says there's no decision that's been made, that means they're weighing a decision. Um, yeah. How do you think today factors in? Uh, it's it's tough. And to go back to me bumbling along at the start with not being able to describe this week, I think part of what makes it tough is Ohio State has is just so far above kind of the rest of the Big Ten. And you talk about the defense can play well and still get your doors blown off. Like, that could have happened last week against Penn State, and it didn't because the Nittany Lions forced field goals in the red zone instead of giving up touchdowns. And that's, I think Ohio State had six drives inside the Penn State 20, and that's, that's kind of the difference. It's that small of a margin for error. And for me, in terms of evaluating this game, and I kind of hate to say this, but I look at the two after this as Wisconsin and Iowa and be like, okay, those are the two where, you know, you really go into it and make and break. I look at this one and Nebraska's at home. It's, it is better. It's the best Nebraska has been, even though the record doesn't show it. Like I, that's never really been a question for me this year. Um, So is the effort there? Can they be in this game? Can they respond to those times when Chris Olave or whoever it is, you know, rips one off for 65 yards? Um, and, and stay in the game. Because that's what, like, Penn State super impressed me last week because they did that on the road at Ohio State. Can Nebraska do the same? And if you, if you do and, and you're in the game into the second half, then, then all of a sudden you, you've got some momentum and, and the pressure shifts a little bit to Ohio State, which obviously has playoff and national title aspirations still. Vogues, uh, a, a quick thought before we say goodbye. One, uh, you know, I think you, you just touched on that, that P word, pressure, and, and Ohio State's felt it before this year, but, you know, it, it, was, it was fleeting <laughs> against Minnesota when they opened the year. Otherwise, they, they've always responded. Uh, pressure's also on, on the other sideline here. And, you know, Adrian's probably feeling a little pressure to respond. Scott's feeling a little pressure to respond. Uh, and, and guys want to, you know, keep him around. 
uh, and, and help kind of quiet the noise. I just want to I want to leave it with with a two parter. One, how do you think Scott's to to your eyes responded this week from a body language and a narrative to the noise? Two, uh, I want to go to volleyball real quick because we love hearing your takes on volleyball. Uh, Nebraska responded uh, in, a, in a, another tough environment on the road against another ranked Big Ten team. So Coach Cook and his crew did well. I need some commentary on their response to pressure. So two pressure points to hit on. Yeah, the the Nebraska, well, maybe we finally come full circle because I, I felt like it's been a pretty muted week for Nebraska in terms of what does that mean for in terms of their response today? I don't know, but it, I, I didn't get a sense of like, okay, well, we lost another one. Let's redouble our efforts, and we got a chance to – I mean, really, if you, if you beat Ohio State, it kind of changes significantly a lot of things, I think. Um, but it's, it kind of felt like more of the same. So I guess the response, uh, in my view at least, has been more of the same. Uh, on, on the Nebraska volleyball front, uh, it was more of the same, but but in a good way. Um, I kind of expected Nebraska to to come back from that that Minnesota loss, which was one that could have gone either way. And and we saw, you know, we talked about it kind of all season long with with the Huskers. Uh, Lexi Sun and the management of her uh, inserted back in the starting lineup and played really really well. So it's kind of it's a good example, and we'll see what happens from here, of course. But a good example, I think, of Coach Cook playing the long game for an entire season, and it worked in a one-game sample size at least. Uh, pulling the Lexi Sun lever at that exact moment seemed to be the right move. Bogues, enjoy your football hey, Saturday. Sorry. Yeah, I thought you jumped in. Go ahead. <laughs> I did. I did. I was just going to follow up real quick on the on the volleyball point. Didn't you kind of didn't you kind of think that's what would happen when Lexi was sat originally? Right? Like didn't you at the time think he's trying to wake her up? <laughs> that's, yeah. that's I mean, cuz it's not like I wouldn't put her in the class of like super elite, but she's elite yep. at least, right? Like didn't it seem like that's what he was trying to do? And lo and behold, it worked. Yes, it did. I'll, I'll say it It took a little longer than I thought. Um, so I, I started to have some moments where I was like, well, maybe that is just kind of it. And you've got this three-time, you know, like you said, not, not kind of a slam-dunk first-team All-American, but second- and third-team All-American. And it's just kind of going to be like, yeah, yeah she's, she's the, she comes off the bench in her, her final season. So um, it, was, it was good for, for everyone involved, I think, to see her play the way she did at Illinois. Vogues, thanks for everything, brother. We'll check in next week. Sounds good, guys. Have a good Saturday. All right, bud. There he is. Brandon Vogel, managing editor, HaleVarsity.com and magazine at uh, Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. Cranack, you got the truckster packed up? About time to go. About time. All right. Well, safe travels down here. We'll see you in East Stadium. All right? All right, man. We'll see you soon. Be good. Appreciate you. Good stuff from uh, Mr. Mark Cranack today. A quick timeout. We're down here at the Single Barrel. Breakfast smells wonderful. Coffee is flowing. 
Uh, I think some Nebraska fans are hitting the Bloody Mary bar already, and uh, we are going to bring in the Iron Horse next. Gary Sharp with us here on site at the Single Barrel. Hail Varsity Weekend presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Now it's time to get back to the Hail Varsity Radio Show with Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. All right, that's it! You two guys leave me no choice. No television for a week. What? Back with you, Tail Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Weekend edition here at the Single Barrel Real Red Reaction follows. We're inside the graduate. The line for eggs and biscuits and gravy is incredible. Connor Clark producing. Connor, are you a biscuits and gravy guy? I know you're a Chicago kid, so I know where you stand on your your your, your beef sandwiches and your hot dogs. But is that a true or false? Yes or no for you on biscuits and gravy? I'm actually a pretty big fan of biscuits and gravy. I think it's pretty pretty awesome. One of my it favorite is. breakfast options. Well, it is an option here with the buffet. The Bloody Marys are to die for. I have heard. I have not sampled. There is beer. There is 250 whiskeys. And there is the Iron Horse to my right shoulder or left, depending on if you're kicking to Michigan State. Sharpie, good to see wow. you. Wow, good to see you too. I'm you get uh, your coffee. Are you ready to yeah, go? Yeah, we're gonna smell like bacon all day long. <laughs> I mean, if you love bacon, this is the place to come. It's all good. Our buddy State Ke- fans, Ken's love bacon. here, man. I know. Ken and I've yeah, caught a big up. Game. Ken has uh, rattled off the prediction of what's going to happen today, what's going to happen in basketball, and what Will Bolt's going to do. So we're set. Will Bolt's going to Omaha. Fred's going to the NIT. And are we <laughs> are we getting a statement here Sunday morning or Monday? Um. I think the week could be kind of interesting, depending on what happens today. Yeah, well, Mark was saying, look, your evaluation, if you're going to wait till the end of the year, today's kind of its own deal. Yep. And then you have Wisconsin and Iowa, if you're Trev and company. So I, I may have said this to you pretty, pretty soon after Saturday, last Saturday, is up to that moment, I, I think this is the way, and, and, and knowing Trev a little bit, yeah. this is how he operates. He wants to get into this job and decode all the long-term struggles of Nebraska football, not just under Scott, under Mike Riley, under Bo Pelini, under Bill Callahan. Two decades. He wants to be able to figure out what has ailed Nebraska from moving forward. Everybody in all of those eras have their own thing that has ailed them, whether it be support system, their own inability to coach, the player talent, the culture, all of that kind of stuff. So I think when Trev takes over in the middle of the summer, that's what he wants to do. And he can do it during the course of a season. And then he's pretty confident because, remember, he's a guy that likes to prove people wrong. He can say, this is what I think we need to work on, and let's fix this. Then Saturday happened, and I think Scott put himself on the clock. Now today against the Ohio State University and what they bring in the past history, I think this is just another evaluation mark to see, have guys quit? Are you in it to win it? What, how much of a gap there is? Uh, where are you currently at? But last Saturday, Schmidt, last Saturday changed a lot of the equation. And, you know, the thing about Trev is do not try and read what he's doing. You know, he doesn't speak very much and he's smart. He knows that anything he says right now in this moment is going to be parsed through and is probably going to be taken the wrong way uh, or spun whatever way you want it. But here's what Scott Frost can control today, the effort and the way this game unfolds, because there is no doubt they are facing, in my opinion, the third best team in college football and a history of the dam breaking early. He can control that they are ready to play. They blocked out the noise from the last week. 
and that once again they're a, they're a confusing bunch of players and program in they might play really, really tight today against Ohio State. They might make Ohio State sweat until the fourth quarter, and you'll be like, what? What why? again? Now, why? now, Good, but why? Yeah, why now, is it not? Now, here's the thing. If you do get in that situation where it's a one-possession game and you come up short again, this will be the worst one-possession loss that Nebraska football has had for the fan base. It'll just be pure heartbreak because of how good Ohio State is. But I think it's going to take – one of the best efforts Nebraska's had, not only this year, but in a while from individuals that got to make key plays. But Nebraska's got to be on point right from the jump at 11 a.m. You know, and I, I never thought I'd say this about, and we've had sleepy games before. I think back to Iowa, Nebraska, when it was, uh, to quote uh, Grandpa in, in Grumpy Old Men, butt cold outside. Uh, one of those Iowa, Nebraska games where, I think Iowa came in unbeaten, and it was 20-something degrees, and student section was MIA, bless their hearts, because it was cold. It was one of those early kickoffs, and that was a, that was a battle towards uh, Fort Nebraska, 28-20, you know, shortcoming against Iowa. But today's not going to be bad weather. It's going to be pretty warm, and it's, it's very pleasant for November. That said, you had folks running for the exits yep. against Purdue with 10 minutes left. Are, are they recalibrated do you think the fan base ready to come back and get after it again for an 11 a.m or it is still big noon for fox well or, I, or do you think they are kind of wait and see what i know i can get no, I, I junior think, tickets for 20 bucks I, I think here it's because of the opponent in the past history and it is ohio state that you're want you're you're worrying about oh boy here we go is this going to be a woodshed type moment i mean ryan day hasn't lost a big 10 game he's 30 and 3 and they are cranking it up now, I also don't think they're overlooking Nebraska ahead to Michigan State in a couple of weeks. Urban Meyer, they've been known to have that one hiccup. Under Ryan Day, they haven't. And I think he's very complimentary of Nebraska. I think there's things that he sees that he goes, wow, that's kind of, I can see that. It comes down to mental lapses and execution. So I think he'll have his team ready. I, I just think Nebraska's going to have to play really, really well. And you wonder, they've been leaky. Adrian's not 100%. The run game is not where it's been because Adrian can't get to the outside. And then on the other side of the football, that defense, which has carried this team for so long this season. A lot of miles, Sharpie. They're starting to leak a little bit. And I worry, you know, JoJo Doman almost went there last week about where's the, where's the other half of the complimentary football? I mean, Nebraska defensively in seven of the nine games has given up 21 points or less, but four of those seven have been losses. So they need some help today. It's going to be important that Nebraska is able to control the clock. They're going to need to steal some possessions. They're also going to need to win the turnover battle. If they can do all of that, then I think they're in the game because it's not a defense that's built to just give up big play after big play after big play. But are they going to dink and dunk? And it's like last week with the paper cuts. It just is a slow, slow, slow thing. But I think today it's going to be Nebraska's offense because can Nebraska offensively score four touchdowns against Ohio State? Because to win this game realistically or to be in this game, that's where Nebraska is going to have to be. It's got to be 30. you, you got to get right around that well, 30 and, number. And, and, and do you get a – you know, special teams is kind of trended in a better direction. Not great, but they're better than they were about a month ago. Mm-hmm. Can you get something out of that? But I think it's important the defense, and you ask a ton of them, can they force a turnover? Can they not only get a pick, but can they force a fumble? You know, and and can they, you know, there's other things about tackling and stuff. I, I, I'm, I like this Ohio State team a lot. I don't think it's the on the same caliber of the Ohio State team that came in here two years ago. 
don't kid yourself. This is a team that is chock full of Jimmys and Joes, and they are cranked up at the right time. If you saw them play in, the, in September against Oregon, this is an entirely different team that's playing here today. Well, th- what's impressive about them is they've gone and took a really hard look at themselves, and they are 180 defensively. Yep. They're still not great, but they're, they're way better, and they're comfortable, and they're confident. They've been coached up. They've gotten better, and they didn't they were they were swaying a little bit post Oregon, uh, but man, they've responded the right way. Well, and they made a change. Kerry uh, Coombs out as defensive coordinator. Matt Barnes in. You know they're 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 still kind of growing. They have a ton of talent. Their linebackers have been exploited a little bit. They were last week against Penn State in the middle of the field, where I think today. All Allen and Torre can get to the middle of the field. Adrian's got to find him. I think that's an area that Nebraska in the passing game can attack. But what is happening up front? They don't have a Boza. They don't have a Young. But they have they have a Harrison. They have a Garrett. Uh, they have a Smith. They're winning a lot of one-on-one battles. I really, really worry also. Another add to the list of worries if you're from Nebraska is the tackles. I mean, that's you've got to win one-on-one battles and hope that you don't have to overextend with double and triple teams. But those tackles, we've seen it. They've had trouble. Corcoran and Ben Hart are going to have to play the best they've played all year. Well, and they'll, they'll need the, the appropriate help from time to yeah. time. Well, they need – and you're right, that's a great point. But it's not help from, all right, Jurgen sliding over or a guard or Noelle sliding over. It's the play calling to help that offensive line. That's where I'm going. Uh, absolutely. And what do we see against Oklahoma? You saw some protection. You saw some comfort. You saw on some longer developing – deeper dropbacks where Adrian was able to feel good and let it fly. You saw some shots and some chunk plays. Well, you also saw some snaps back where the ball got out quick, and you saw some hitch routes to a Betts. You saw some hitch routes to a Martin. I I mean, I think Nebraska's got it in their playbook to be able to let some of their dudes, Omar and Betts, catch an eight-yard hitch stiff arm and go get 12 to 15 same with martin they can turn and burn and and do that versus and 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 the plays have been there i.e toure end of the half last week where it was a longer developing play and it was just not executed by two parties it was there it was absolutely there and it was a longer did there well (laughs) (laughs) it was it was a long developing play to, to get downfield, and and that's been a part of Nebraska's problem too. You're asking your tackles, who don't move their feet, and when they stop moving their feet, they reach and they reach and they whiff, and here's a first round pick coming off the edge. Yeah, it, so I think you're right on with the play calling. Nebraska just needs to to, to dial it back, and, and you can be simple and still be good, and let your athletes do their thing. Yeah, it, it, you know Nebraska in terms of running at Ohio State, you can't abandon it. Because what we see with Adrian, and Adrian, you know, he's been through the ringer we're, we're going this there week. In a minute, yeah. it's, he's coming off his worst performance. We have seen, though, in his long career, he does have a little course correction after one of his poor performances. He responds. And remember, you go back to 2018. I know this is a long time ago, and a lot of stuff has happened since then. Adrian Martinez's name was mentioned as a freshman phenom after that game in which Nebraska lost 36-31. to Adrian was really, really good in that game. And now you, you forward to maybe one of the last home games that he's going to play as the starting quarterback. I, I think it's important for Nebraska to establish the run and stick with it because we have seen, and especially last week, when Nebraska offensively gets pressured and they get behind the sticks and they, and they panic a little bit, they get into some sporadic play calling, and all of a sudden it's, 
we have to throw the ball. And that's the worst-case scenario for Adrian. Adrian can throw the football. Uh, you know, we, we'd all love for his accuracy to be, be to be better, but it is what it is right now. But he's at the worst when it's now we got to throw instead of it's in the scope of the offense that we're throwing the football. Throwing when, when you feel like throwing versus, well, oh, we got to throw on yep. third and 18. Yeah, and, and you see that because then the play calling doesn't match the performance or vice versa. Gary Sharps with us, the Iron Horse. We are on-site here, weekend edition, back at our regular time, 7 to 9, winding down this second hour, getting closer. Oh, winding down the season. Yeah, I know, man. It's it's kind of flown by, but it's been one of those rocky road-type seasons. It's going to be an interesting bye week. We'll see how Nebraska performs today. And, Sharpie, let's go to uh, the, the Adrian dynamic and just the handling of quarterback versus the handling of other position groups. And it just seems like because he's a quarterback, Scott's handled his quarterback yep. very, very differently a year ago to now where he hasn't put Adrian through uh, another quarterback controversy post uh, McCaffrey because Adrian was there for him after the Luke experiment didn't work out. But, man, it's, it's okay to sit your guys you care about to let them take a look as much as it hurts you. It's like the old, uh, well, this hurts me more than it's going to hurt you. That's the, the line I got from my papa when it was spanking time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still yet to, to, to totally, totally buy into that. But you just don't, don't want to do it, but yet you kind of contemplated it, but you never put it into action. I don't know that Logan's the answer. I think Logan's a, a good kid that's prepared and is a gamer. I don't know where he's at throwing the football. But there's, there's just times where you just got to say enough's enough and send a message. Well, let's walk through this. It's a relationship that we'll never fully understand. But I think Scott sees a lot of himself in Adrian. Mm-hmm. So there's a special connection there that they have mismanaged his career along the way. And Scott almost owes something to Adrian. And Scott so desperately wants Adrian to have that moment that Scott had. That redemption. So it, it tells you a couple of things, that their relationship is very emotionally attached. And Scott and Adrian are tied together. Now, I've said for a long time, it's a blessing and a curse. They rely so much on Adrian in this offense, and I think that hurts Scott. Adrian will either get Scott fired or Adrian will keep Scott's job because you wonder what are both of them like without each other, you know, a different quarterback. Now, let's slide to the Logan Smothers discussion. Basically, this staff indicted themselves on quarterback development with the way Saturday was handled and then the discussion afterwards. It's a big change. It's a captain. It's a four-year starter. If you make a change, are you going back? Um, that's We all want that as fans and media, but you look around college football, it doesn't happen as quickly as you think. Not everybody is Spencer Rattler to Caleb Williams. Right. But when they are hesitant to go there, that tells you everything you need to know. They do not have in crunch time trust in Logan Smothers to do the things they need to be done to win a football game. That's on the staff in their quarterback development. Number two shows them that, and Logan Smothers shows them that. What does that say to Smothers? Wow, how do I get on the field? What's next year going to be like? Because I want to paint <laughs> the scenario. What do I got to do with the other yeah. guy turning it over four so, times? Now, they like Harburg. They like Harburg, but he is not as far along, but he's only been on campus for 11 months. Yeah. Logan Smothers is not the answer. I wondered it. I asked people that see practice every day, and they said, nope, not the answer. Not throwing it. He, he just, he's not the guy in crunch time. Now, let's go ahead to 22, and I don't think Adrian's going to be here. 
you're going to have to be very active in the portal because you could begin next year if you don't get into the portal with one guy that has played four games and only one of them were in meaningful time. And you'd have a bunch of youth in that room. So, you know, I, I think that's a question in the offseason to be addressed with what is the development like at that position? Does that mean there is a coaching change at that position? I think there has to be because we have not seen the development. And for this offense to go, they've got to have the quarterback guy as the pivot guy. Because I wonder, Schmitty, when Scott Frost, and this is now his fourth year in a row that he's faced Ohio State, does he stand on the field and turn and look at Ohio State and he's watched film on them and say, that was us. That's supposed to be us. The way they run their offense with a quarterback, maybe not the same amount of NFL talent, but good talent. Mm-hmm. But that's how Nebraska's offense that I thought it would look like. We're not there. We don't have an identity. Why? Well, look at Ohio State over the last four years, the kind of quarterback they have. Nebraska in this offense desperately needs that. If that's what they want to be, they don't necessarily need that. If they want to be more West Division-like, where it's ball control, run the ball, um, you know, play the turnover game, play the field position game. But I think Scott is stuck in a, where does he want to be? Does he want to be Ohio State's offense, or does he want to be a, a combination of Iowa, Wisconsin, Minnesota? You need something different that is not co- totally quarterback run reliant. You need a guy that can get you a scramble. You need a guy that can move around. And you need a guy that's passed fir- pass first, run second, or ability to run second. And you need a couple of them. And that's that's the trick in college football in today's era where it's portal. It's, well, I'm taking my ball and I'm transferring. If I don't start immediately out of high school, that's what you're dealing with as, as an offensive coordinator and a, and a head coach and a quarterback coach because you, you're battling that. <laughs> Lincoln Riley's a good enough play caller, respected enough to have Rattler and then have his backup. Yeah, you have to recruit and coach yourself into options. Yes, and, and Nebraska does not. And as far as where to go offensively, I mean, yeah, it'd be great to be Ohio State's offense, but they are they are the perfect blend of big-time skill and killer offensive line, right? Iowa, uh, Wisconsin, they're not really that skilled, but guess what? They'll just beat the hell out of you in four quarters, and they outlast yeah. you more times than not. To get through the West, you've got to be able to outlast. To compete with Ohio State, you've got to be able to go do some high-wire act, uh, explosive play type things. So you need both. But what's going on right now ain't working because you don't have a running game beyond Ramir, and it's taken forever for Ramir to get where he's at. You don't have an offensive line that you ask to fire off the football. Even though they're, they're yeah. more physical, they're not what they need to be in the Big Ten, and and you don't have a quarterback that takes care of the football. Yeah, so, you, a- so you're, I don't know where you're at uh, on, on the map as far as getting close to where you need to be offensively in, in four years. I mean, you've got a lot of detractors here that are just, they, they've seen enough, they're sick of it. I tend to lean towards a fifth year with changes and, and some help understanding what your identity needs to be. It would be this whole discussion, and and Adrian for his long career here, and his ups and downs. I like and the what, peaks you and the valleys. Sa- what you said about he's not been helped in four years. That needs to be louder. Something that could be rectified, as you know, this program is going to go through some changes in the off season. Is what are those changes specifically? Just look at, and this isn't just a Scott Frost era thing. This is a, for a while now because only four. First-team all-conference lineman in 18 years, zero in the last 10, is if you had an offensive line that when you needed to run the ball, 
you could run the ball instead of, uh-oh, now we have to run the ball. Yep. How much that would alleviate a lot of the other concerns around your offense, and especially at quarterback. If you had an offensive line that when you needed three, they got you four, mm-hmm. it, would, it, would, it would fix a lot of things. So, you know, and right now, you don't have enough consistency on that offensive line. I, I really, and I saw him last night uh, at the Gretna Elkhorn South game, Teddy Prohaska. He goes down with a knee injury. You would have loved to get him multiple snaps because he's going to be one of your starting tackles next year. It's just, that's an offensive line that needs more consistency. And it just, they all kind of add up of 10 guys are doing well and one guy makes a mistake and the margin for error is so small with this football team that you see the results you get and it's so up and down on offense where when you do see 11 guys are executing this offense can be dynamic but boy it is a high wire act because you have no faith that multiple plays stacking them you're going to have 11 guys doing the right thing and as a play caller that puts you in a bad spot you get behind the sticks and we see when that happens i think they get spooked and it's like uh oh here we go where are you at and i and i hate going here sharpie but I, i'm in, interested as far as the, the Nebraska job, because that's also part of this week's worth of conversations. Yep. It's a fair and, conversation. And, and you have names that are out there, and, and I, I think there's some really good names out there if things are just too far gone to, to stick and stay. Um, is it, I think, I think financially, I think support-wise, I think leadership-wise with, with Trev, I think there's a lot of good things. And I even think there's better in-state talent than there's been in, in a lot of years. So, I mean, Oregon's sure as hell moved into the state. <laughs> okay. Yep. So I think it's better there. But is it still a, a second, third, fourth choice for some of these big names if a better offer's not there? All right, let's attack this from a couple of ways. Uh, here's how I think Trev will look at it. Is Scott the problem or the solution? And is there a solution that keeps Scott Frost as the head coach? Everybody knows what the buyout is. Money will not be a problem. It hasn't been a problem. If they need to go there, they'll find it. This job, whether the current guy or a new guy, it is still in the top 25. It might be 20 to 25, but you have the support now between one part of the campus to the other. You've got financially, you've got some great support. You've got a beautiful facility that is coming in a couple of years. There's a lot of built-in advantages, and you don't want anybody that goes, well, can you? No, you can here. Um, and this job, where it is right now, at the end of Scott Frost, you know, this his fourth season, it's in a better spot than when he took over. Yeah, and I, I believe he's moved it forward but, for sure. But, but the decision for Trev comes down to, are you the problem or the solution? And if there's a solution, what can we do inside of the walls to fix things so we can get over the hump? Or is it just the job is too big, not good enough? We need a different voice. We need a different direction. And we need somebody to come in, and you know with a burst of energy, they could win eight, nine games, and they don't have that almost there to the mountain, and you can't get over the hump. You kind of stay on the side of the mountain. Because Nebraska football, honestly, I've said this to you before. I've said this on the show. They're stuck. They're stuck. They don't really have a roadmap where they're going there's good things in this program that you like. The talent is better. Mm-hmm. The talent is definitely better. But they don't have that it factor. They don't have that cut stopper. They don't have that clutch genie at quarterback where, okay, it's on my, it's, it's my turn to go, and he drives down the field, and everybody makes plays, and he elevates people. 
They just have a lot of missing ingredients. And Nebraska, you could say, well, they're better than three and six. Well, the record is what it is. They're three and six, and I'm 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 not afraid to say this. There's a lot of elements that we saw at the end of August that are still here in November. Yep. Good team can't get out of their own way, and you hope that you don't waste a year where you had some guys come back to go to a bowl game, and especially on the defensive side of the ball, that have balled out, and it's going to end. And you know, I mean, it's going to be it'll be kind of interesting around here, depending on what happens, either for the good or the bad. Today, you got the bye week, and then you have Wisconsin, Iowa. But there's just so many elements we've done. We've done this for a while. Every it kind four of feels every it four feels, years, yeah. Sharpie, and that's and that's a key. I think Trev wants to get out of that cycle. Is this the is the current guy the guy that can help you get out of that cycle, or do you have to get the person that gets you out of that cycle? Here's the thing about Trev to understand as he evaluates Scott and where the program is going. Trev Alberts never makes a move without a plan. So if he makes a move, he has a pretty good idea of. What is the right person to fix this football program? If he doesn't, then he truly believes that the current guy can be the leader and there will be fixes in the program. It's, it's weird. Nobody wants to be Trev right now. There is, there is so much wild, man, that number looks great. Oh, that number looks bad. I mean, I, I highly recommend Dirk Chatlin wrote a column this week. The, the stats are and nuts. It's, but but, it, but it, here's, here's where the... the you know, the middle ground is for the athletic director. You could use it for fodder to make a move or fodder to say, gosh, if they just get one. You're just right there. Yeah. It's it's the, you know, you talk to coaches. That's, you, you, you almost, Schmitty, would like Nebraska to have a season where they've been blown out instead of all of these close games. Because then it makes it easier instead of, okay, What's the fix? What's the fix? Is it one thing? Is it a tweak here? You're in no man's land. Yep. That's what, where you're at. Yeah, you don't like to be stuck. You're, you're, you're gray. You're uh-huh. in gray area because we go back to the bow era where you talk to coaches who say, how the hell you fire another 9 or 10 win coach? Yep. Granted, the, the, the stage was not kind with some blowout losses. That team had always bounced back. But the point is this. You, 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 you were, you're closer to going back to Indy with nine or ten wins than going the other way, some would argue. Some were well, saying, oh, you're, you're, you're going to fade towards seven and six, and then where, where, where are you at? Well, let me ask you this. We, we did this with Bo. We said, how do they ever win nine games? And then you would say, how did they not win more than nine games? It went both we're kind ways. of in the same thing right now at three and six. How did they ever win three games? And then... How come they haven't won why, more? Why are they not at seven yeah. and two? I'm, I, I'm, I'm at the why, why are they not at seven and two? Go make a freaking play with a lot of guys that have a lot of experience. Well, then, then when you sit down in front of your boss to uh, do a season evaluation, do you immediately open the folder that says, hey, look at Oklahoma, Michigan State, Michigan? Or does, does the guy across the table from you open Purdue, the folder Minnesota, and go, Minnesota, Purdue, Minnesota, in, Illinois. Illinois? And that's, that's what we started that's talking about. That's what the program week. is right now. It doesn't make sense. And it comes down to organization, leadership, direction. You, does, does that get that's, flipped? That's another thing. I, I, I think what a lot of the things that Ale Nebraska shows you is, 
a lot of dysfunction in term of the, terms of the organization of Monday through Friday, and then when you're in a 90,000-seat stadium, what happens on game day? Can that be fixed, or is that something that is ingrained and you can't afford to have that still around? <laughs> You've got to be better prepared. You've got to be better organized. You've got to have a better plan and move it forward instead of stay, saying, just one, just one. But we need to stop saying, not you, and close. You could say that after Michigan, after Minnesota-Purdue. You cannot say that. You need to retire it. No, right. It's time to do. It's time to do. Gary Sharp, the Iron Horse. Sharpie, we're going to get you some breakfast, brother. That was incredible. We're going to smell like bacon for the rest of the day. (laughs) Hey, you got the Ohio State fan here. He's dressed as Santa Claus. Might be Santa. Good to see him. Hey, there's a special bond between Ohio State and Nebraska fans off of last year. And they are two of the programs in the Big Ten that really show the passion for their Mm -hmm. program. I asked an Ohio State fan the other day, I said, how would you guys handle this meltdown going on here? He said it would be ten times worse. Yeah, they, they, they whacked uh, John Cooper, but they got rid of John Cooper at 8-4 and four and found the sweater vest to go win him a title. Well, Autogra- you, autographs you, you find you, you, you make a move and you find the right person to get you in the right direction. But Ohio State right now, I mean, they're recruiting five-star guys Every everywhere. time they've made a coaching change, they have upgraded to title level, yep. Yep. which is nuts. Yep, and they've kind of, you know, they kind of kept it in the uh, family. Mm-hmm. But they have they have the ingredients that are built in, and Ryan Day has taken those ingredients, and I think he has elevated this program from where he took over. Big time. Sharpie, we'll uh, make Thanks, our trek to the stadium. Thank you. Big thanks to Brandon Vogel and Tim May. Connor Clark, well done, sir. How about thanks. the laugh of Tim May? Oh, he's the best. He is awesome. He is so good. We'll be uh, back at it. Connor will be uh, back in studio. Also, Real Red Reaction uh, gets kicked off here right after Nebraska-Ohio State concludes. Connor Clark, myself, Chris Schmidt, and uh, Tim Bob Kitzmiller uh, will be with us. So we'll be here at the Single Barrel. Uh, Come by, see us, get a cocktail, and uh, we'll talk about what happened at Memorial Stadium. Have a good rest of your Saturday, and thanks for tuning in to ESPN Lincoln, uh, ESPNLincoln.com. We'll we'll be back here in, in a few hours. Take care.